This is Gliza for Classical Adventures for One, where I read classical work dramatically and discuss things about that work that I find interesting and want to share with my listeners. If that's something that you're into, stick around and let's talk about fictional books of the past. Today's chapter reading is focused still on the griffin and the mock turtle. They talk about a lobster quadrille, which when I first heard the chapter's title, I thought was a sort of food. But apparently, a quadrille is a square dance, mostly like the stuff that I've only seen on TV. Maybe it's because I'm terrible at anything that involves hand-eye coordination, which if you've ever watched me play video games live on twitch.tv, forward slash classical Gliza, you already know by now. But I've never really been a good dancer. I've tried, but it just never worked out. Also, the elephant in the room, yes, I did sing in this chapter reading. It was terrible. Let's never speak of it again. If you want to hear it though, I mean, that's on you. It is linked below. Today's art pieces are drawn by the very talented artist Cartoon Bazooka. I am super in love with her work and it only made sense that she would be the one that I would showcase on the episodes where I would be talking about the Disney movie. Because her artwork just matches it so very well. She's really good at animal style drawings, so you can check out the link below and tell her that I sent you. It may not be a surprise when I tell you that I really enjoy movies based on books, and it really does take a lot, and I mean a whole lot, for me to look at a movie based on a book and declare it to be trash. I have a trick about that to be honest, especially if the books are newer or if I hadn't read the books and the movie has already been out. What's the trick you may ask? Well, watch the movie first so that you can enjoy the movie and then read the book and be happily surprised to discover more about your favorite characters. It doesn't really work though if you've already read the book. Which, talking about movie-based books, leads me to today's discussion. I want to talk about the 1951 movie of Alice in Wonderland by Walt Disney. The Alice story that almost everyone knows and have watched. It's the movie that if I close my eyes, it would be that movie that I would see in my head if I was trying to imagine Alice in Wonderland. And I hadn't even seen the movie until recently when I was preparing for this episode. That's how popular and prevalent this movie was. Literally everyone knows about it. I mentioned in an earlier episode that there is one scene that really stuck in my mind even before I watched the movie completely. And it was the scene during the trial where Alice started to shrink and the queen started to become bigger, and that terrified me. I honestly don't even remember how I saw that scene before without watching the whole movie. Anyway, 
there's a lot to unpack with this movie, and I want to start with the background history. In 1946, Walt Disney told American Weekly, No story in the English literature has intrigued me more than Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. It fascinated me the first time I read it as a schoolboy, and as soon as I possibly could after I started making animated cartoons, I acquired the film rights to it. In fact, it was way back in 1923 when a 10-minute movie called Alice's Wonderland was created by Walt Disney and UBI Works. The guy who had co-created Mickey Mouse, wherein Alice enters a cartoon studio to witness cartoons being created, and because she was impressed with what she saw, that very night she started having dreams about being in a world of cartoons. This short was then the basis of the Alice comedies, which are 57 films directed and produced by Walt, and it was basically just a live-action Alice hanging out with cartoons. Sort of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, or my personal favorite, Space Jam. Eventually, many years and a war after, Walt finally had both the ability and the opportunity of getting his dream movie of Alice in Wonderland to happen. He initially wanted it to be a live action, similar to the Alice comedies, but he soon realized that if he really wanted to give the book justice, there were some issues with the original artwork that Walt had. He had to buy the film rights for Alice in Wonderland with Sir John Tenniel's illustrations. But Sir John's sort of grotesque and dark style wasn't really what Walt wanted for his vision of Alice. Instead of that, Walt decided to base the artwork that Mary Blair did, which moved away from the more detailed work of Sir John to a more modernist stance with bold and unreal colors. It was meant to match the script, which focused on comedy, music, and the whimsical sides of Charles's books. Speaking of the script, it does follow the basic story of Alice's adventures in Wonderland, with added scenes from Through the Looking Glass. However, there were still plenty of things that were not in the movie that I felt was important in the book that should have been kept. Like the scene where Alice meets the mouse when they were swimming, the whole chapter of the pig and pepper with the exception of Alice meeting the Cheshire Cat was also cut, and they never really introduced the griffin and the mock turtle. Then there are things that were added onto the movie that were never in the book. The talking doorknob, the way Alice grew after eating the mushroom, with the movie making it instantaneous, while it was different in the book. There was no instant of the Tulgy Wood where Alice cries while singing and makes the little weird-looking birds disappear as they cry for her. The Queen's declarations of executions were never really carried out in the book, but it implied that they did it in the movie. Which honestly is why I was terrified of the Queen. Finally, there was never that nightmarish chase scene towards the end where they chased her to the talking doorknob for her to see that she was just dreaming. That wasn't in the book. One of the things though that was explicitly different about the book and the movie was the music itself. That's to be expected, I think, as the medium of movies can actually have music in it. Walt commissioned multiple top songwriters at the time and managed to amass at least 30 songs, many of which were on the film, even for just a couple of seconds. This was the greatest number of songs in any Disney film. Alice in Wonderland even received an Academy nomination for Best Original Score, 
When it first came out, though, Alice in Wonderland wasn't well-received originally, to the point that even Walt himself stated that he didn't even want to make the movie in the first place. Which is a straight-up lie, Walt? By 1970s, it started picking up steam, probably due to the whole drug use culture that started becoming popular at that time. So, it was re-released in 1974 and once more in 1981. By that point, Alice in Wonderland became a cult classic, becoming one of the most popular Disney movies of all time, as well as one of the most commercially successful Disney films today. It's definitely considered a classic. Here's some trivia that I found on aliceinwonderland.net as provided by Lenny. Alice in Wonderland was composed of more than 350,000 drawings and paintings. From 1949 to 1951, more than 750 artists worked on the movie. 800 gallons of paint weighing nearly 5 tons were required to paint the animated frames. More than a thousand different shades of watercolor were used to capture the mood of Wonderland. They filmed a full live-action movie that was not released and was used as references for the artist to rely on when animating the film. I really wished I watched the movie before I read the book because I think I would have really liked it more. The artwork still holds up to this day. For a 1950s animated feature, I was constantly impressed with the beauty of the artwork. I really am glad they went with this style instead of the sort of grotesque style of Sir John. It's just so impressive that it's no wonder that this is also just as remembered to be who Alice is as well as Sir John's work. I cannot stop gushing about how impressive the artwork was. I'm also impressed with the songs that were used in the movie because the poems within the book were just spectacular, and it just made sense that they would be sung instead of just recited, like what I'm doing with my dramatic readings. Some of the songs for me were brilliant, some not so memorable, but I've always been a big fan of Disney movies and musicals, so anytime there's a song in any movie, I think already it's been vastly improved. As for the stuff that I didn't enjoy, well, this is personal preference, of course. I still wish it was less terrifying because the books weren't terrifying. In fact, if anything, the other characters were a mere annoyance for Alice. But in the movie, it was terrifying as a kid to watch a grown woman about to behead a child my age. Take that with a grain of salt, though, because I'm a horror baby and it's really easy to terrify me. Though, who knows? Maybe if I hadn't seen that scene as a child, and watch this as an adult, I wouldn't have had that fear. Also, the story about the walrus and the carpenter and the little oysters, seeing that animated instead of just a poem, man, that would have messed me up as a child. The story is messed up, you guys. I would have freaking bawled and never touched an oyster and would have thought all walruses as heartless monsters. Speaking of that scene, I'm not a fan of combining the Wonderland story with the Through the Looking Glass story. Maybe that's just another personal thing. I really like the whimsical feel of Wonderland compared to the slightly more serious tone of the Looking Glass world. But in the end, I can't deny that it's a good movie. 
even if subjectively I probably would not add it to my list of Disney movies to watch when I need cheering up. I'm glad that I watched this as an adult though, because young Liza would not have handled this movie well at all. She would have had nightmares for sure. I want to thank Lenny for once again being such an amazing resource for me as I explore the world of Alice in Wonderland. I've also taken a lot from Wikipedia and Disney Wikia for a lot of the little trivias here and there. The internet is a wonderful place. Finally, I want to thank one of my very best friends, Azra, for watching this movie with me. You made it so much more fun. Definitely thank you guys for joining me on this adventure. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please remember to subscribe, like, and share if you found this episode interesting. I would love to hear from you, so please leave a comment below if you have anything that you want me to know or tips to improve on. If you're listening to it anywhere else, please subscribe, like, and share it to people you think might like it anyway. And you can also email me at classicalgliza at gmail.com. Again, I'm Gliza, and this has been Classical Adventures for One. See you on the next adventure. Thank you.